0: Trash, nothing personal, word of the day, Wednesday, April 7th, 2021 is trash. We keep having to talk about the Astros, the ultimate revenge for the Houston Astros. With fans in the stands, is going to be winning. We talk about that with the players a lot, and here's what they say. We don't hear the booze. We don't hear the heckling, we ignore it. Of course, they hear it. They don't ignore it. They actually point out during the game different fans who are saying different things. They are aware of everything going on off the field. Baseball is that rhythm, right? The game is slow. The game requires thought. It unveils itself pitch by pitch, inning by inning. It is not for the faint of heart and it is not for people with ADD. Why do I say that? Because so many players claim they have that. That's how they get a therapeutic use exemption to take Ritalin or other such drugs that can help with your energy, that can help you rebound and play 162 games in 180 days or 185 days. But players are looking for motivation. All day, every day. Some are motivated to win. Some are motivated to achieve stats for salary, for pay. Some are motivated to show off for people in the stands or for people in their lives. The reality is that players find their motivation. Remember when we talked about the last dance, Coca? People were criticizing Jordan for storming past George Carl during the Bulls' uh, Sonics final in a restaurant or pretending that George Carl disrespected him, looking for any sort of motivation. That's what the best players do. The Astros are being handed this season on a silver platter because fans don't get it. And if they get it, they don't want to believe it. You think you're hurting the Astros by bringing garbage cans, by slamming garbage cans, by throwing garbage cans on the field of play? You think that the Astros are going to curl up in the fetal position, go into the clubhouse and say, man, I can't do it. I don't want to play anymore. I just don't feel it. I don't feel the love. I don't feel the juices flowing. That's not what players do. They come in after a game. Here's a little nugget for you. Do you know how much of the game players discuss post-game? This much. Are you watching this on YouTube? Nothing personal with David Sampson? Or are you just listening? I put my finger in, in a circle. a It also means zero. During the game, it's hard enough to get players to engage. Some players like going to video, watching their at-bats. Now, if the video room is closed because of stealing signs or there's all sorts of rules about what you can watch, they don't do it as much. Some players go back to the clubhouse, get some gum, even though they keep gum in the dugout, but they say they have to go to the bathroom. Even though we built a bathroom right behind the dugout, actually right, I would call it in the dugout, because if you don't close the door, you can hear the players in the bathroom or the manager or the coaches. I'd say we built that a little close. I've never used that bathroom. I wouldn't use that bathroom. If I would rather go in my pants than use the dugout bathroom, but some players do, but many go back to the clubhouse. Sometimes during the game, when you go to the bench and the pan on the bench, you see players talking, looking out on the field, looking up in the stands. 70% of the time, they're talking about something having nothing to do with the game. 30% of the time, they're talking about the game or a game situation. It's not unlike Bull Durham, that great scene when they are talking about anything at the mound other than what the next pitch is or what's going on. Oftentimes the pitching coach goes out to say, hey, giving you a breather, not much to say. Let's just take a beat. Manager goes out and says, hey, I'm just wasting time. Jack McKeon would tell me funny stories about him going to the mound just to BS, talk about nothing because he forgot to get a pitcher up. So he's had to waste time. That kind of stuff drove me crazy don't want to waste any more time. If you don't have a pitcher up, then you don't have a pitcher up, then suffer the consequences. And I even did think that way, actually, while running a team. I just couldn't stand the three and a half hour games. So 30% of the time, players are talking about what on-field action. And then the game ends. They either do a celebration where they go up and they do their handshakes and they do their fist bumps because they've won a game. Do you notice who's doing that celebration? Here's another little nugget for you. on field celebrations that come not in the walk-off fashion are celebrated by those players still on the bench. The players on the bench are comprised of players who have not yet played in the game, but are available, players who are currently in the game. Not mentioned here are players who've already been in the game and been pulled out of the game. When you're a pitcher and you're taken out of the game, you go back to the clubhouse, you get your arm wrapped in ice, you take off your uniform, throw it in the basket and you've got your undies on a t-shirt on and your ice in your shoulder. Some players, when they're pulled out of the game, go and do a quick workout, but they take their uniforms off and do not come back to the bench. So when you win a game, you walk back on the, after your on field celebration, you walk back through the tunnel into the clubhouse and waiting for you is a line of players who've been taken out of the game to do high fives privately on a walk off there are some players who when there's a chance for a walk-off will re-get dressed with just the pants and put on like a jacket instead of a uniform. And they want to be a part of the walk-off celebration where you pour Gatorade and rip shirts off and look for buzzers and everything else you're doing. But after that takes place, that's it. After a win, you put music on in the clubhouse. Nice bit of atmosphere. After a loss, it's like a morgue. There's no talking. There's no music. Players shower. The traveling secretary puts the time of the bus leaving the ballpark or what instructions are there. Used to be in handwriting. Now it's all done by computer on a computer board. And that's it. The players do not take the time to focus on the game after the game has been played. So for all the fans who are booing and hitting the garbage cans and taking out the trash, don't look back. Yuckety yak. That's a song by the coasters. If you don't know that song. Yakety yak. Don't look back. Take out the papers and the trash. The Astros don't care. They really don't. They have started off hot this season, even though they lost George Springer. They lost Garrett Cole. They lost Justin Verlander. Here's the problem that we have with the Astros as other teams and other executives They are so damn smart and good at what they do. Even without Lunau, who I couldn't deal with. The reality is they've got an owner who lets the baseball operations department operate, even though the owner absolutely knows everything that goes on. They're very much like the Rays in that way. And that the Rays are very, very smart. Make good trades, make good decisions. You're always wary when the Astros let someone go or choose not to allocate their money to a player. And I am not saying that George Springer is being overpaid. I believe he was the best position player available who could have helped the Mets and myriad other teams. But there's something about the Astros when they make their decisions on which players are coming and which players are going, that they are just finding their way, knowing that their window is still open, which it is. So my advice to you is the following. If you are an A's fan, if you are an Angels fan, and or Giants, Diamondbacks, except those are not in your division. I just confused the National League and American League. The the Angels, Coca, work with me, work with me for Christ's sake. The Angels, the A's, the Astros, the Rangers. Is that it? No one else in the A.O. West. It can't just be four teams, can it? I'm really happy. Oh, the Mariners. I'm sorry. Chiro. Oh my God. All right. Let me do that again. Edit that out, Coca. If you are ready, do you want to, are you ready? To, I can't hear you. Are you ready to start? 59, 69, 79. If you are the Astros, you are absolutely thrilled that A's fans and Angels fans and Rangers fans and Mariners fans are going to boo you and throw chat trash cans at you. You want that. You want the motivation that comes from being the enemy. Every team looks for that edge. Every team likes to be booed on the road. Nobody likes to be booed at home. Everybody likes to be booed on the road if you ask 10 players, eight of them will say there is no greater satisfaction than shutting up a home crowd by doing a road home run or a road victory. I actually can tell you I feel the same way. I remember road victories way more than home victories, way more than walk-offs. There's just something about silencing people. It feels so good. Word of the day is trash. And my advice to the AL West, you may want to tell your fans to say on the ashtray because all of a sudden you're not going to be in the layoffs play. Well, it's that time of year again. What time of year is it, Coca? I don't even know what month it is. April. It's the Masters week. There was a word yesterday about Tiger Woods not being there for the special winner's dinner, how he had total FOMO. He's trying to recover. People are wondering whether he will ever play in the Masters again. His good friends have been visiting him in Jupiter as he recovers from his crash and from the compound fractures that he suffered of the tibia, the fibia, fibula. Is it fibula? Fibia? Anyway, Masters without Tiger. Golf has to adjust because ratings are better when Tiger plays. The excitement surrounding the tournament is better when Tiger plays and makes the cut, makes the weekend good. As much as golf is trying to promote its next round of superstars, and there are plenty of them, whether it's DJ, by the way, hello, Wayne, Brooks, Rory, doesn't matter. There's a lot of good players. Tiger will miss this year's Masters, but it is Masters week again. It's that time of year. The Azaleas, Butler Cabin, the green jacket. I wore my green jacket for today. The pimento cheese sandwiches. I have no idea what those are. I don't know why those are in this read. I guess everyone associates pimento cheese sandwiches with Augusta, Georgia. Well, CBS Sports, home of nothing personal, is also your home as always for the masters to watch all the action unfold at Augusta. Whether you're looking to watch all four rounds of on the range, featured groups, Amen Corner, holes 15 and 16, don't know what that means, but it sounds promising although i always prefer whole 17 and 18 what about if you just want to watch the cbs broadcast during the weekend well it's all available on cbsports.com the cbs sports mobile app which you have cuz you did a bracket although only like 5% of you did a bracket but we're very appreciative don't forget about paramount plus it's on there too just remember green jackets are not included But thrills and two foot putts lipping out are. Get ready. It's Masters week. Here's a guy who's not playing golf. How's that for a segue? Tatis Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., is not going to be playing golf at the Masters. Not even sure he's allowed to be a member at Masters at Augusta. But what I do know is that he's got a slight labrum tear. Whenever the San Diego Padres announce an injury, I get. I'd like to say I get PTSD, but that's insulting to people who actually have PTSD, who are veterans, who I thank for their service. It's an unfortunate expression, which I'm not going to use again. Instead, I'm going to say I get nightmares. I get flashbacks to the deal we did with the Padres, where they totally screwed us by having two sets of medical reports, totally illegal under the leadership of A.J. Preller, who somehow has a job. I assume there's pictures involved. Well, we found out nothing because all the Padres did was announce there was an MRI and that Tatis has a slight labrum tear. And then A.J. Preller said it's a non-surgical injury, to which I said to Coca upon receiving that news, A.J. Preller wouldn't know a non-surgical injury from a surgical injury if he hadn't watched Gray's Anatomy. Labrum tears are absolutely surgical injuries, period. For those of you who are not athletes, and you have a bad shoulder, you go to the doctor and the doctor says, hey, you got a tear. But you know what? The rehab sucks. It's really long. You're not a professional athlete. So try to just live through the pain. Don't become an addict. And let's revisit this at a later moment. Anyone ever heard that story before about a labrum tear? Well, that's what normal people like you and I get told when we have labrum tears. When you are a professional baseball player, or a golfer, or a tennis player, or a basketball player, or a football player, although if you're on the offensive line, I could argue that maybe you could play through a labrum tear because football players are tough that way, or hockey players, although you can't really swing a hockey stick with a labrum tear. How about swinging a bat with a labrum tear? It hurts. When your shoulder's popping out every month good done a it hurts. But AJ Preller said, don't worry. It's not surgical, we're good. It's a 10 day thing. We're gonna let the inflammation calm down. Well, folks. That's what we would always tell you because we don't want anybody buddy to know that we are in the market for a shortstop and that we need to make a trade and that we're desperate. We don't want to release that a player is out for the year until we've made calls and tried to trade for someone to replace that player. Because if you go out to the trade market trying to replace a player when you're in a win now mode, then every other team has you over a barrel. So AJ comes out and says, it's good, 10 days, he'll be back. We're going to let the inflammation calm down. That's another thing we try to say. Hey, we're going to let it calm down. Labrum and tears don't fix in 10 days. They don't calm down in 10 days. They don't become uninflamed in 10 days, even though he's on major inflammatories, which is what we give players who are trying to delay their surgery. We shoot them up with as much as we can, whether it's Toradol or any anti-inflammatory we can get prescribed by any team doctor or any non-team doctor. We just want the player playing until the last possible moment. What is the last possible moment that Fernando Tatis Jr. can play this season? It is the day before the doctor tells us he has to get surgery in order to be ready for 2022 spring training. So that's the rule we had with the Marlins and the Expos, which is tell us the latest this player can get surgery so that he can be available. And then all of a sudden we're in the race. All of a sudden we feel good about our team. All of a sudden the player can play through the pain. We go back to the doctor and say, okay, he can just miss a week or two of spring training, right? He'll be totally fine. Let me talk to the player. Let me talk to the agent. Hey, we're good, right? You don't need a full six weeks of spring training. If you come back in the middle of March, you got two weeks and you're good, right? And if we have to put you on the IL for the first 10 days, we can put you on three days before the season starts. You can miss the first seven days. There's always a few off days. You'll be missing five games. So we will wait. <laughs> it's pretty funny, actually. We'll wait to the last possible minute to have a player go under the knife and be out for the season. But make no mistake, Fernando Tatis Jr. does have a surgical injury. He will have to get that fixed because they've got 13 years and 300 and 35 million left, assuming he's at 5 million this year. I actually don't remember what he's at, but he signed that 14 year, $340 million deal. So, right now, the National League West, the Dodgers aren't focused on it, but if you're the Giants and you feel like you could be okay, except, am I confusing that now too? What what, weren't we just talking about the American League? And now, are we talking about the National League? Does anyone else get this confused? The Padres are in the NL West with the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks and the Rockies and the Giants. The Dodgers are not focused on Tatis' injury at all. They don't need to. The Giants are, the Diamondbacks are pretending to be And the Rockies, don't care. The Giants are saying, listen, if he's out, we got a chance. We used to focus on injuries in the National League East when the Mets starters would be injured or a national starter would be injured we would always say, or a Philly starter, whatever the case may be, we can take advantage. We had, we had some schadenfreude, schadenfreude, Schad, schaden. I am having some serious articulation issues, which when you're doing a 45 minute show every single day and you're trying to thank people for downloading and following and subscribing and being a part of what we do and try not to waste people's time, which I'm probably doing right now by telling you that I can't say schadenfreude, we would do that. We wouldn't necessarily root for a player to get injured, but once we heard the player would be injured, we'd be just fine with that. So the National League West, the Giants are saying, hmm, maybe the Padres won't be as good. Well, here's how it's going to play out. Tatis is going to be out for more than 10 days. He's going to try to come back. It is going to impact his performance. There will come a point when they will have to say to themselves, by the way, I can't make this up, Coca. During the show, I do have my phone next to me just to make sure that the world isn't falling or there's something not breaking and coke is in my ear. There's a lot of stuff going on at once. And as we're talking about shoulder injuries, the Marlins team doctor just texted. He's a good team doctor, his name is Dr. Lee Kaplan. I don't know what he's texting about, but it can't be an emergency because I'm no longer the president of the team. But that's a name when he's on your phone and you are the president of a team or his name comes up on your call, I caller ID, you take that call because generally your team doctor is not calling your team president to shoot the breeze. I can't believe I just used that expression. Is that the oldest expression of all time, Coca? Do you even know what that is to shoot the breeze? I don't even get that. I've said that my whole life. Hey, do you want to shoot the breeze? Is that is that a gun with wind? What happens when you shoot in a breeze? I, I don't know. I want to say shoot the shit, but I'm not allowed to say shit on the podcast. (sighs) That'll do it for Fernando Tatis and the Padres. I hope he does get better. It's better for baseball. There's no doubt about that. When we come back, we are going to get to talk to you again. There's another update about Deshaun Watson and something happened and nothing personal listener is going to get some attention on the Deshaun Watson issue and where we are today. And we're going to review a documentary that just dropped on Hulu about a company called
1: Dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
0: Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David. Thank you. I'm here with Matt Coca every day. Well, I wasn't here on Monday and you people were despondent. and I was despondent. I missed you all so much. <laughs> Anyway, we watch a movie every day. Coca said after yesterday's show, we do a recap of the show and we start to think about the next day's show. And Coca said there's a new documentary on Hulu. You should watch it and review it. It's called We, We. It's not called that, Coca. What's it called? It's called WeWork or the making and breaking of a $47 billion unicorn. I was on Wall Street. God, it's now 20 Five years ago is when I started, uh, and I left in two thousand in nineteen ninety nine. So I've been out of it completely for twenty two years. I still follow a little bit. I don't really watch Squawk Box anymore. I don't really watch CNBC or I look at the ticker from time to time. Not really though. Not my focus. I watch a different ticker these days right here, right here on the left side of my abdomen. That's the ticker I'm paying attention to. So I'd never heard of the company WeWork, which is hard to imagine. There was a $47 billion company that I'd never heard of ever. So I'm watching and the founder of the company, the co-founder of WeWork is a guy named Adam Newman. Am I the only one, Coca? Did you think he looked like Orlando Bloom? I thought he looked like a tall, poor man's Orlando Bloom. This movie is about a company that is grown on smoke and mirrors by a man who is a shyster. I don't know if that's a nice word to say anymore. I don't mean that in any racial way. That is a word, a Shakespearean word. I don't mean that to be in any way anti-Semitic. I actually don't know whether he's Jewish or not. His name is Adam Newman. I have no idea. What I do, oh, I do know actually because he got married and he had a keep on. So it's not that he's a shyster. What he is, is a great salesman. And he turns out to be Israeli, actually. Thank you, Coca. What he's selling is the concept of people working together, living together, commune style almost. And the only thing missing from his attire are sandals and a glass of Kool-Aid. And the fact that major players on Wall Street major hedge fund investors. We're talking the smartest of the smart when it comes to money. We're sucked in by the fumes of his crap is quite telling. We work as an hour and 41 minutes where your mouth will be agape because what you'll be saying to yourself is not me, not me. I wouldn't succumb to his sales prowess. I wouldn't be in his orbit and be suckered in. Of course we say that because we all wanna believe that it's not us. We all wanna believe that we can spot fraud. We all wanna believe that our investments are better than our friends or our colleagues. We wanna believe that we're smarter. We wanna believe we do better, we make more money, But you know what the truth is? We're all the same. We're all subject to the whims of people who can manipulate us psychologically. We're all subject to the reality that we're not the smartest person in the room. We're not the dumbest person in the room. We're not the richest person in the room. We're not the poorest person in the room. We're just in the room, all of us. There's always someone smarter, always someone richer. This documentary is about one man and his ability, along with his wife, who, by the way, Coca, is something else. I found her to be a little Yoko Ono. E. We work. It's on Hulu. You may want to check it out. All right, we've made a uh, habit here on Nothing Personal of keeping you up to date on the Deshaun Watson story. Have you ever been in a situation? Have you ever flown across the ocean? There's something called the point of no return. The point of no return is the point when you're flying where if there's a problem, you don't go back and keep going forward. Businesses have points of no return when it comes to expansion, when it comes to your business plan, your growth, your revenue model, your expense models. You're supposed to never throw good money after bad, ever. Cut your losses. Close that branch. Close that product line. Stop producing it. Sometimes it's hard not to throw good money after bad because you're not convinced that the money's bad. Point of no return. We had nothing personal. I've been covering the Deshaun Watson story from the beginning. We started with two consecutive words of the day that were frivolous, and I don't know whether that that may have been a month or two ago when this first came out, that he was going to be accused of bad behavior on the massage table. Two cases turned into six, turned into 10. We're up to 22. The back and forth going on is staggering. I've never seen anything like this. They're beginning to investigate him criminally now, the Houston Police Department is investigating because they've gotten a complaint and they've got to investigate. They're not saying more. The NFL is investigating. The Texans GM has come out and said, we don't can't stand for this behavior. We won't put up with it. The defense attorney, Rusty Harden is still claiming there's nothing to see here. It's all good. That's not what Deshaun Watson was saying during the massage, by the way. And now we're at the next stage, and nothing personal is past the point of no return. Landed that plane, Coca. We got to keep updating you on this story now. In for a penny, in for seven minutes. The first accuser of Deshaun Watson has gone public and has identified herself and the defense attorney for Deshaun Watson has said, we're thankful if there's someone who's now identified him or herself, because now we can actually try to find out how to defend ourselves and try to convince a jury if it goes that far, or just convince the court of public opinion that there's a chance that my client's behavior was not as it has been described. So I started thinking more about an angle of this case that we haven't talked enough about, and that is the NFL and the NFL's position. The NFL has acted before on domestic violence cases before there's been a final adjudication. The NFL has acted on many behavioral faux pas prior to the full due process that is accorded somebody by the law. But we have a position now, a situation now, where Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, one of the top, what do we agree, Coca? Where is he? The top three behind Mahomes and Rodgers? A top three quarterback, a black quarterback. And I say that because the NFL went through decades where there were not black quarterbacks, that it was a white position. And the NFL tried hard to change that. And they have been successful. It used to be how racist is that, that only a white person could play a skill position like a quarterback? How did we let people get away with racism back then is something that I think about all the time. But today, to even the concept of someone being racist today, or of racist thoughts or racist concepts in a sport. It's unbelievable. So anyway, Deshaun Watson is an example of everything that it was good in the NFL, signed a huge extension, and all of a sudden his team didn't win, he demanded a trade, and things have gone south from here. The NFL has to try to figure out are they going to distance themselves from Watson or are they going to let things play out and hope that it was a simple massage and that there was no misappropriate behavior prior to, during, or after any sort of potential rub and tug. It's fine. NFL can do that. It just seems a tad bit hypocritical to me, given that they are choosing what's worse. I don't know how to explain to you my view, although it's my job too, so I'm going to right now. You can never hit a woman, ever, ever. I don't care what the scenario is, what the circumstance is. I don't care if she lied, cheated, or stole from you. I don't care if you feel trapped. I don't care about any of it. Domestic violence against women is a crime that is not punished enough. It is a crime that does not give people enough prison time. To me, it is an absolute. If you hit your spouse, your girlfriend, or a woman, you go to prison. Hard stop. Period. But does that mean that I don't believe that if you commit sexual misconduct or sexual harassment, is that a lesser evil where prison is not necessarily needed or guaranteed? Maybe there's a misunderstanding. Maybe there's two sides of a story. And in my view is there can't be a misunderstanding when it comes to punching someone or hitting somebody. Can there be a misunderstanding when it comes to whether or not you have a towel on during a massage? Can there be a misunderstanding whether or not your erection came from some sort of release of something? Not that. Get your mind out of the gutter. Or is it from a man who has a misunderstanding about what he's supposed to be there for or what he's trying to accomplish before, during, or after the massage? And the answer is, yeah. And it makes me so upset to say it, but part of what our job is and my job is to give you perspective and frames of reference. Sexual misconduct is unacceptable. But it is not domestic violence. The NFL is deciding where on the chart Deshaun Watson's conduct goes. And what they've said is very telling. And what they've said is we are conducting an investigation. We'll be back to you. That's where it falls. Some things that happen. There's no investigation. Player gets suspended immediately, or the investigation happens and it's over in two days. Not this one. They've got to let this play out more, except every day there is a new problem. Every day there's a new fight over whether or not Deshaun Watson did it. Did he try to settle? Did he not try to settle? And fans are getting upset. I heard from a nothing personal listener. And you know, I appreciate you and the fact that you tell your friends and you give me your time every day. And I wanted to call you out. You know, i nothing personal. We try to digest and interpret statements and releases and interviews, talk to you about what's trending, tell you what's really going on, really what's going on versus what people want you to believe is going on. Someone sent to me a statement that they had written. They are a commissioner in a fantasy football league. And he sent me a statement that he wrote saying, would you talk on nothing personal about the statement? Because we wrote this hoping that we've learned a lot about how to do statements and that we can do it better than professional sports leagues. Dear warrior fans. That's how the statement starts. We, as a fantasy football organization, are deeply troubled, saddened, and disappointed by the allegations made against QB Deshaun Watson. Uh Uh-oh. You spelled Deshaun wrong. There's no capital S in Deshaun Watson. You put a capital S in your statement. It is inexcusable to have a typo in a written statement. Inexcusable. Google it. We applaud the brave women who have come forward to share their experiences. While we do respect the right to due process, this statement reads, the allegations are too disturbing at this time for our organization to continue to have him on our roster. So what was the moment is what I would say to you, because it doesn't seem clear. You want to respect due process, which means people are innocent until they're proven guilty, right? But the allegations are too disturbing at this time. Is it the 22nd allegation? That upset you, not the first? Is there something contained in the 17th that really got your goat? Don't put that in a statement at this time, because that means I'm going to start asking you, what about 20 minutes ago or two weeks ago? We will be releasing the Sean Watson spelled wrong twice. I like the consistency. Effective immediately. Furthermore, at this time, we have no intention of reacquiring Watson, either via the 2021 draft or free agency. We look forward to the findings of the criminal, civil and NFL investigations and are hopeful and confident that justice will be served. It's a good statement. Do you see why the NFL has a problem now? Sean Watson being taken off fantasy football rosters when fantasy football and gambling are two of the main reasons why people are engaging in the NFL. Get it? CBS, HQ, fantasy, gambling, and nothing personal. Which of these don't fit? Okay. You know, what's going to be interesting is what companies do with the Sean Watson. Because if the avalanche starts and enough fantasy football leagues drop him. What's next that the NFL could look at as an issue? Ah, what about broadcast partners? What about if CBS said to the NFL, we're not showing Houston Texans games. If Deshaun Watson is the quarterback, we will not be a part of his actions. They're not going to do that. Nike, however, just announced that they are going to suspend the endorsement of Deshaun Watson. They said, we are deeply concerned by the disturbing allegations and have suspended Deshaun Watson. We will continue to closely monitor the situation, Nike said in a statement. For Crying out loud, you wouldn't put that in your statement, would you? We will continue to closely monitor the situation. It's not just monitor the situation. We're going to closely monitor it, which means we're going to be updating our browser constantly. We're going to be calling Roger Goodell and Rusty Harden. Hey, we're we're monitoring, not monitoring. We're closely monitoring. I like when they say they're deeply concerned. It's better than being just concerned. You can't suspend someone when you're concerned about their, an allegation, right? You've got to be deeply concerned. Just like you have to have an abundance of caution. (laughs) It's not a laughing matter. Uh, Nike suspended. Did Nike ever suspend Tiger Woods coca after when Tiger had his issues with Ambien and golf clubs? I can't remember, but a bunch of sponsors walked away from him and then he was able to work himself back. I think Lance Armstrong, when he had shriveled up testes, and I don't mean because he was sick, I mean from the steroids, I think sponsors walked away from him too. The NFL is going to see if Nike is just starting and if other companies will follow. But I can promise you that the NFL is closely monitoring this situation. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. And if it does, great. If it doesn't, great. Either way, we will follow up. I promise. I'm okay being wrong. I'm okay being right. We have a nothing personal listener named Skyler. Skyler was pissed off about yesterday's wait to see. Yesterday's wait to see is that Nick Castellanos' the suspension of 2 games for the brawl between the Cardinals and the Reds is going to be cut to 1 game on appeal and Skyler said that's no fair. You can't do a wait to see that you know is right. You've taught us that suspensions are always brought down. So when they suspend him 2 games, they know it's going to be brought down to 1 game. So you can't make that a wait to see. Well, Skyler, it's our show. Of course, we're making that the wait to see from yesterday. I understand it was easy, but some wait to sees are. I've got a wait to see having nothing to do with sports because I'm annoyed. And I've been talking this show about where things are on the scale and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and what punishments should be and how they happen. I watched Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League, the four hour movie and we reviewed it on a recent Nothing Personal. And now I've got information on the two-hour movie from 2017, which was directed by Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon is the guy who uh, was involved with Buffy, and now he's been accused by so many Buffy actors of inappropriate on-set behavior and bullying. Well, now we got word that Gal Gadot, who plays Wonder Woman, and Ray Fisher, who plays the cyborg on Justice League, that during the 2017 filming, there were major issues on set with Joss Whedon in terms of his behavior, in terms of the workplace atmosphere. So much discussion and issues about workplace atmosphere and culture and what used to be acceptable, that's no longer acceptable. Here's my advice to directors out there, to anybody in a position of power, anybody, in any position. If you think that the effective way of leading is to make people feel small or to harass them and make them feel like that they're little pieces of crap or that they're not good at their job, and you think that that's a great motivator, then you're not a leader. There are times to be honest with your workers And those times are every minute of the day. Here's what we can do better. Here's what I want to help you do better. Tell me what I can do to make you better. Tell me how I can be better because that'll make you better. Tell me what we need to do to put you in your best position to succeed because your success is my success. I'm still papering the HR file with the fact that you're not performing and that you're not doing your job, but I am trying to motivate you to do better because if you don't, you're let go. And if you do, I look better because the company does better. Why is it that directors in movies or other people in position of power believe that they can be abusive simply because of the title on their card or the location of their chair on a set or in an office? just like a uh, contest. Well, here's what's going to happen to Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon is finished. You mark my words. Joss Whedon will never be given the keys to a movie again. He will never direct another movie. You wait to see. I'm going to revisit this. Wait to see one year from now, Coca. No matter where we are. One year from now, Coca, book it on April 7th, 2022, we're gonna revisit Joss Whedon's IMDB page because the days of allowing behavior like that finished. Please, I'm sorry, gal. And I'm sorry, Ray and all the actors and actresses on Buffy. It's an outrage. Who made money last night? Raise your hand, raise your hand if you're sure. Oh, we can't say that, they're not a sponsor. Raise your hand. If you made money on the Yankees, I told you if it's four to one or 10 to one, it doesn't matter. Don't be scared off by money lines in baseball. When you've got a Baltimore Oriole team that just beat a Red Sox team, but you know the Orioles and the Red Sox both stink, and you've got Garrett Cole going for the Yankees, who are favored to be in the World Series and who likely will be in the World Series, who we chose to be in the World Series, you got yourself a winner. We're 43 and 28. The Yankees beat the Orioles. 43 and 28, Coca. All right. We got two picks today. We're doing it. We're doing two picks because I'm going to watch NBA and baseball today. Phenomenal NBA game. My new favorite team is the Utah Jazz, having gone to a Jazz game last week. Best defense, best offense or top three in each offense and defense. Last teams to do that, I think all won titles, although the regular season's not over. They've, I think, won four to five, number one seed in the Western Conference. Guess who the number two seed is in the Western Conference? And guess who's won five games in a row? Though I could be wrong, but I think I look back and they have. It's the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns are getting two points at home from the Jazz. Home dog when you're the number two rated Western Conference team, playing the number one rated Western Conference team, who many people think are overrated and are going to be early exiters in the playoffs yet again take the Suns plus two at home. And what about baseball? You gonna watch it? I'm watching every Mets game. How do you not? Phillies are playing the Mets again. They got Aaron Noah, their ace going. Peterson's going for the Mets because the Mets rotation is a little out of whack. Yakety yak. Don't look back. Phillies over the Mets. It's a double nothing personal pick of the day. Are you with me? Who's with me? We'll find out tomorrow, won't we? Well, that's another nothing personal show, Coca. How did that fly back? We, we didn't even get to So You Want to Talk to Samson. We'll have to get to that tomorrow. There was a great So You Want to Talk to Samson about Quebec. I promise you we are going to talk about whether or not Quebec is all of a sudden interested in financing a baseball stadium for these Expos de Montréal. Well, that's our show. And you know the rule. You know the drill. It's just business. It's nothing personal.